I'm Corey Brewer, always smiling, and we run this station. Live from Studio 6 in Hollywood, this is Player Power Rankings, a show where athletes provide definitive top five lists, part of WRTS and the Uninterrupted Podcast Network. I'm John Fontanelli, Uninterrupted Podcast Producer. Joining me today is 12-year NBA veteran, two-time NCAA champion, 2011 NBA champion, and most recently of the Sacramento Kings, the pride of Portland, always smiling, Corey Brewer. Corey, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Got a big smile on already. I love oh, for it. Sure. <laughs> also joined by executive producer of Audio Uninterrupted, former college basketball player, hashtag more than an athlete, at producer TD on Twitter. You can refer to him as EPTD. I absolutely love this very professional sounding broadcast like <laughs> intro. This is like the next, so your next Kevin Harlan. Like, what's going on here? Trying, man. This is, I know. This, this, is, this is an audition great. tape, too. Uh, but yeah, well, obviously excited to be, you know, chatting here with, with Corey here in a second. But I know we have another producer on yes. the mic. Los Angeles Lakers reporter, rising media superstar, proud USC alum. You may know her from breaking news at Lojo Media on Twitter, uninterrupted his very own Lauren Jones. Hey, guys. What's up? Happy to be here. What's up, Lojo? So we're excited to have you in, Corey. We're going to do some player power rankings where you're going to give some top five lists. We've given you a little bit of background, but for the most part, it's a mystery, which I think is going to be the most fun part of this. But before we get into it, we want to talk NBA Finals, my favorite time of the sports calendar. Game two was the other night, just for the audience. This will air Monday, so this will be between games four and five. Without knowing what's going on in the series, the biggest thing going on right now is that Andre Godala hit that huge shot in game two. Iggy. <laughs> you that played was, with Iggy, right? Yeah, that's my guy. I played Denver? with him in Denver. Um, Iggy's a great guy. Um, it's funny, everybody always says, like, Iggy can't do this, Iggy can't do that. Um, he only gives you this, but he always comes up big when it counts. And that's one thing about him. Like, he may be old for 10, but when it's on the line, he's going to make it. That's what he did. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he has that reputation of being like a glue guy. He gets left out in the corner for three a lot. Sometimes it misses our way off. But when the chips are down and you need a shot... He makes it. That's what, that's what it's about. I'd rather make the shot when it matters than not. You know what I'm saying? Like, he he make all the open shots, then you miss the ones that matter. Like, And so for you, having played with him, you're home watching the game. Livingston kicks it to Iguodala. In your mind, it's going in. Oh, it's good. I, I was hype. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, they left my man Iggy open. It's good. Nothing but it's cash. So I was happy he made it. That's great. And uh, it's interesting, too, we have the – the warrior side of this, but also you played under Masai Ujiri. He traded for you with, for Denver when you joined Iguodala there. Um, you guys were on an absolutely loaded Denver team. That team was so deep. It's crazy that they broke us up. Um, George Carl was coach of the year. Yeah. Masai was executive of the year. Right. And they both, so George gets fired and Masai goes to Toronto. Isn't that wild? That's, it was crazy. Cause for me, my, I wanted to go back to Denver. I thought for sure I was going back to Denver. And that happens, whole new staff come in. Like Tim Conley came in. You know, he's doing great. Don't get me wrong. The rebuild, it worked for them. But for me at the time, I was like, wow. So <laughs> what's next? What was that like playing under Masai Ujiri as a GM? How oh, was he? I love Masai. It was great. Um, I was happy he traded for me because I was in Dallas. We just won the championship. So I was, you know, I was ready to go. I was in Dallas trying to, you know, ready to do it again. And then, you know, Denver traded for me. It was, and it was great because it was a great situation. As a resident Nigerian, I, I feel compelled to mention that Masai is Nigerian, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Got to throw that in there. Yeah. Shots to Nigeria. Quick top five. Yeah. Iggy, you look at a guy who is, you know, again, 10 plus years in the league, still has crazy athleticism for his age, for whatever, whatever skill you have. Top five most athletic players you ever played with. You got Gerald Green. Oof. Oh, yeah. man. Played with him in Minnesota. Man, that's, the stuff he does is unbelievable. Oh man, JaVale McGee. I played with JaVale. Seven footer that does the stuff he does is mm -hmm. it's crazy. I remember seeing him for the first time in the dunk contest. Yeah. And big guys don't usually show out like that in the dunk contest, yeah. but he's got crazy athleticism. Basically, got, like a he, seven foot wide receiver. He did the two ball dunk, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Iggy is definitely, he's, he's going to be on that list. Uh, Marvin Bagley. Ooh. Just played with, play with him this year. It's, he's unbelievably athletic and people are going to see so much out of him but he jumps sometimes he's, he's looking at the rim I'm like I don't think I ever could do that when I was my most athletic ever so yeah. he's definitely on that list one more 
You played with Russell Westbrook. Oh yeah. What's Man, that like? That's I had to put Russell. Yeah, how did I forget Russell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, Terrence Ferguson. Ooh. Yo, I love yes. Russell Dell. Terrence Ferguson is a freak yeah. athlete. I'm just talking about athletes. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Russell's and one that's of the a most kid powerful. from Australia, right? Yeah. Terrence Ferguson and Gerald Green, if they had a dunk contest, I would pay to see it. It's crazy. They're both crazy athletic. On the topic of championships, you won two national championships in college. You're on the 2011 Mavs. You've seen that championship DNA up close. Something that's always fascinated me is I think there's a difference between winning teams and championship teams, and I think a lot of it is in the DNA. What do you see in the difference of a team that's a great team versus a championship-level team? Man, a great team, everybody knows their role. That's the thing. Like Sometimes teams have a chance to win a championship, but something happens. But like when you know your role and everybody's on the same page, um, that's when you're a great team. That's why like Golden State's so good. They say, oh, Kevin Durant, are they better with Kevin Durant? Are they better without him? doesn't matter. They're great with him or without him because they know their role and everybody knows how to adjust. So when KD's playing, okay, Steph is still Steph, but he's not going out there trying to get 40 because he knows he has Kevin Durant. Like, you have to adjust your game. Clay adjusts his game. So when Kevin got hurt, everybody's like, oh, man. But they were just like, okay, Kevin's hurt. Let's adjust. We go back to playing the way we were supposed to play, the way we were playing before. Before We move the ball. We cut. And that's what makes us great. But you have a guy like KD, you have to adjust to him because KD can get 50 or 40 anytime he wants. So yeah, that's what a great team is. And a guy like Draymond also makes you great when you have a glue guy. Like, that's the – like, you can say whatever you want about him. You don't have to like him. Draymond, he makes him go. He's the heart and soul of the team. That's so interesting to me because I know with your Florida Gator teams, you guys were close, right? And I think that matters in a lot of cases. Um, does a championship team – do the guys have to like each other? Um, I feel like most most championship teams like each other. But mm -hmm. if you don't like each other, you got to respect each other. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a, a level of respect, that's when you're not going to be good. But championship teams, you know each other, so you like each other because you have to. Cause, but when you're winning, everybody likes you, likes each other. <laughs> that's the thing. Everybody's like, like if, if a team is winning, they don't like each other. It's, it's more than basketball. It's something that we don't know about. Right. But yeah, I they, feel like, they say winning fixes everything. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Winning fixes everything. If you're winning, nobody's going to say nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm also kind of curious about like the 2016 Rockets because it was kind of that brink of championship, but like injury kind of. Yeah. So is that like a place where it's like the difference between great and championship? Yeah, for sure. One injury can change anything in basketball. And I feel like uh, if we were ever going to have a chance that year, we needed everybody. And so when Monte Yunus get hurt, gets hurt and Patrick Beverly get hurt, it yeah. was – it was, it was kind of tough for us to beat the Warriors. But I feel like we had both those guys. We, we gave them around for their money. I'm not going to say we beat them, but we were playing good basketball at the time. So I think we would have had a chance. Speaking of that, you know, team dynamics right now and how the Warriors have been able to switch back and forth with, with or without Kevin Durant, one thing that comes to mind following game two is how much Iggy talked about protecting Steph's legacy. Like, and, you know, obviously Iggy, he jokes around a lot. No one knows how serious he is. But he does seem to have a special admiration um, and a connection and relationship with Steph where it's like people on the outside, well, his peers and players sometimes just hate on him. And then also fans might look at the box score and see he didn't score in the fourth quarter and think he doesn't have an impact on the game. But a guy like Iggy is saying, like, no, nah, like uh, how – Steph Curry has an impact on the game anytime he's on the court because Steph Curry – can get hot anytime. He yeah. wins, you know how many games he's won? He was two two time MVP. How you gonna <laughs> how you gonna hate on Steph Curry? And like man But he, apparently players do. And again, not right. I understand uh, they, it. People they don't can't. know the game. Man. I'm leaving it at that because Steph is amazing. I'm and you know, I keep it real. Like I try to pride myself on giving honest answers. And Steph's amazing, man. And you went to you went MVP and you, they bring a guy in like KD. He could have been, it could have been like, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my shots. I got to show him I'm still the MVP. He was able to be like, okay, you know what? I was MVP, whatever. I want to win championships. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up and, you know, let, let K, KD, we have to fit him in, right? So I can't be this. I have to, I have to change a little bit. And he was able to change. And look what they're doing. It's, he's great, man. I'm, he's a good player. A great so you, player. Not good. He's great. <laughs> great. Great. All-timer, yeah, I think. Yeah, he's one of, for sure. 
So you played the Warriors three times in the playoffs. Once with Denver. <laughs> Every year. Twice oh with Houston. <laughs> the West goes through Golden State, at least for the most of this decade. I'm curious, if you were, say Toronto hired you as a consultant right before the series. Now, the series is 1-1. When we, by the time we listen to this game, 4 will have already happened. But I'm curious from your point of view, with all the great wing players that they have, do you have uh, scouting reports on those guys? Do you have tendencies for those guys? What, what's in your defensive bag in terms of how to guard Steph, Clay, oh, KD? Oh, for sure. You have tendencies, but dang, there's just four of them. <laughs> Five of them. <laughs> like, like people, people are always like, how do you stop them? I hope they're all off that night. Because yeah. if Steph, right. if you, if you, stop, you take Steph out of the game, okay. But then Clay gets hot. Right. So, oh, man, I got to take Clay out of the game. Oh, KD gets hot. So yeah. you're always in trouble. You just got to hope you play your best basketball. And like Toronto, first game, play their best basketball. Yeah. I feel like Mark Gasol really helped him because he's a stretch five. Mm-hmm. So it made Draymond have to do more. Because normally Draymond, they go to the death lineup. Draymond can guard the five who really doesn't shoot threes or move out. So he can always guard everybody. It's like Draymond's everywhere. But, you know, Mark kind of exploited that. So we'll see what happens the rest of the series. Yeah, unfortunately, the audience knows more than we do at this point. But I think it is interesting sitting down with a guy whose calling card is defense, after all. I mean, a lot of NBA fans remember that you had 51 points in a game. A fun footnote from that game is you had six steals, too. A lot of that was transition, picking passes off at halftime, going the length of the floor. So with that in mind, our first player power ranking for you, Corey. Top five hardest players to guard in their prime, on their best day, in your 12-year career. Who were the five hardest players to guard? Five, I'm gonna say Melo. Melo, Melo was in his prime, <laughs> almost un- unguardable. Four, Manu Ginobili, one of the hardest Ooh. guards for me personally. So I gotta put him four. Mm-hmm. That Euro step, what yeah. was that like? I- oh man, Euro. He, everybody talks about James doing it now, but he was Manu, first. Manu was the first for sure. Mm-hmm. Three, Gilbert Arenas doesn't get enough credit, man. If he doesn't get hurt, Gilbert. Like, yeah. but offensively, when it comes to guarding somebody, whoo. Two, Brandon Roy. Man, I love another guy. Yes. And one, Kobe. Oh, Kobe, <laughs> man. Because when I first came to the league, guys were in their prime, but it was ISO basketball. Like, yep. you were on an island. It was yep. the mid-post game. It was like, yo, guard your man. Yep. Like, so if somebody gave you 50, he gave you 50. Yep. Like, now it's like, okay, Ball moving guys will get 50, guys get 50, 50, but, like, you didn't get all those. Like, right. I guarded Manu. He gave me four. He had forty five. I think he gave me forty of those forty five. That's when, like, that's back then. That's when, like, I'm guarding Kobe. If he had thirty, he had twenty eight on me. Like, he might have had two, but like, yeah. it was. It was. That's when you had to be able to guard. So the game's different now. That's so interesting. The yeah. way team defense has kind of changed yeah. and thrown multiple guys yeah, at somebody. Nah, yeah. where it seems like you're a little bit scarred too, because these guys are all early in your career. It seems like you kind of took some knocks coming up. Yeah, because then guard it, these guys. the game changed. Yeah, right. Like I was I, when I first got in the league, it was like post up basketball, like mid post post up basketball. Like we mm-hmm. had big. Like when I first came, bigs could score. Like you mm-hmm. throw it into big. Now you look on the court, it'd be bigs out there, and none of the bigs can score on this team. Yeah. Like. They they can set screens and dunk, but they can't like you throw it in the post. They can't get you a bucket. Like yeah, that's how the game's changing. It's crazy. It's evolving, I guess you can say, but it's it's different. I feel bad for the bigs. They can't really get buckets down there. Right. It's it's funny in a weird way. You could almost look at it as maybe one on one defense was harder then, but now with the you know the increase in three point sh- in three point shooting, team defense might be harder now because oh, there's sure. way more ground to cover. Yeah, team defense. Right? Team defense sure. is hard now for sure. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the guy, you know, posting you up, but now you got to worry about five rotations in one possession, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like a lot to, more movement. Yeah, it, it, yeah. So just maybe before we get to that, but like, I mean, you mentioned a guy like uh, who was number two in your list again? Oh no, number three. Let's talk about Gilbert Arenas. Ooh. Like, what was got not super athletic? Didn't jump off, you know? Didn't jump off the court. What was it about Gilbert Arenas that was, was a tough card? Man, you know, they always talk about Steph shooting from deep. People don't remember Gilbert Arenas was the. He was coming past half court, through the legs, through the legs, pulling up like bang, like he was hitting game winner. I think he hit one on the Lakers. Sorry, no joke. (laughs) (laughs) One on the Lakers. What do you do? Take out, take his jersey off. You know, he's from LA. Set it down. Like Gilbert was just, and his game was amazing. Like, but just the things he did. Like he'd come down, he'd have me in the middle of the court, be going through the legs, looking at me, talking about. Yeah, you know I'm about to shoot this. Yeah, I'm about to. Sh- you know when I'm gonna shoot it? Like really talking to you and then shoot it and like you like 
Wow. <laughs> Cash. So he, he was a special dude, man. Another thing that's interesting to me about these lists, all these guys have size. So it's skill, mm -hmm. but it's also size. Yeah. Like you have Mello at five. And then I forgot. I'm crazy. I am went back. Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant's got to be on the list. I don't know. Like mm -hmm. I can't. I forgot him, but Kevin Durant's on my list. Like those mm -hmm. are my guys, but Kevin Durant's, he can be one or five. He's on the list. Like, I mean, it's a tough list because honestly, we, we haven't named Harden. We haven't named Curry. Yeah. Those are guys that you've yeah, been challenged to guard. They're different, different type of guards. Like I've guarded both of them. James is tough to guard. Steph's yeah. tough to guard. But they're different guards. Like I said, it's a different area. I went from like when I'm on this island, like yeah. I got to stop this guy by myself. Right. Like now, like James is a tough guard, but James is like Clint setting ball screens. Yep. So mm -hmm. it's it's a little different. Like he's hard to guard, but he's also it's a different situation. Yeah. Steph is gonna throw it. He's gonna move. He's gonna come off two screens and get the ball back. Mm -hmm. When I'm thinking about guarding someone, I'm thinking about it's me and you. Like, all right, right. can you get a bucket on me? Not, no, nah, don't come set no screens. no screens. Get a bucket on me. Let's see. Don't give me. Steph can get a bucket on you too, one on one. But you really don't see it anymore yeah. because he's getting screens. But I'm sure, like, if, if it was one on one, he'd probably go and crazy. And MVP here, so you, you I ain't gonna know. knock him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, we're t we're taping here on a Tuesday, right? And then I saw the report, or Steph had a line about the 2016 three that he missed against Kevin Love in the finals, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And he apparently, apparently the line was he looks back on that tape and he can easily have gone by Kevin Love. Um, and Kevin Love retweeted that and said, easily. And, you know, like in quotes, almost like, yeah, sure, he could easily have gotten by me because, you know, it was interesting to see, like, back then he could have done stuff without the screen because that was a clear out. That was a complete uh, clear uh, yeah, out. For sure. Um, but, yeah, just going back to, you know, John's point about mm -hmm. guarding these guys with size – what was it you feared the most? Um, was it, again, was it speed? Was it, you know, pull-up ability? Was it, you know, crazy athleticism and being able to finish through contact? What gave you the most trouble as a defender? Melo, because he was so strong. I'm saying strength. Like, oh, man. they. I think Melo had him change. They changed the rules for Melo because he was – so strong and he was playing bully ball mm -hmm. and it got to the point where they're like yo we can't we can't call the games like because Melo literally would throw the ball at the backboard push you out the way push him out the way catch it and dunk on everybody mm -hmm. and it was like it's not good for basketball but it was that's that's real basketball to me back in the day it's like okay this is what it's, this is what it's about no but question. Now I mean, you can't do that. So everybody's like, Melo lost it. Melo did this. Melo really can't be Melo no more. <laughs> like, <laughs> now he's got to play a different game. That's tough when you're one of the best and you're trying to change. You got to change with the game. Yeah, I mean, he was a, he's a, in his prime, he was a 6'8", 235 <laughs> knockdown shooter. Most 6'8 guys are right around 200 pounds, maybe a little lighter. So most of the guys he's going up against, he's got 30, 40 pounds on him. Yeah. He can shoot over him. Shoot he can go around him when he was quick enough. Or he can just go right through him, to your point, bully ball. <laughs> That's what Melo did. <laughs> and then now, you know, it's a different story. <laughs> Different right. league. And you're 6'9", 6'8"? 6'9". 6'9". So you probably had to guard some bigger guys, too. Coaches probably were like, oh, Corey Brewer, 6'9". Nah, take my, this bigger wing or I, take this guy on a switch. Nah, my reputation, I was a defender. That's not a good reputation you want to have to be honest in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> because um, for a guy like me, I'm fast, too. So I've guarded one through four. Mm -hmm. I've guarded four men. Like, I used to guard Dirk. So, like... I like when I first got in the lead, I'd have nights where, okay, I have Gilbert Arenas this night. The next night I got T Mac. I forgot T Max, <laughs> but he was like at the end, but T Max amazing. <laughs> then I got Kobe. Oh, then I got Melo. Then oh it's Brandon Roy. Oh, then oh, we're playing the Spurs. We want you to guard Tony Parker. Like <laughs> people now it's a little different. Back then it was like I used to be like, Oh my God. I look at the schedule and be like, Oh, Jesus, these <laughs> next ten games, I got these ten guys? Like, cause it was like you got mm -hmm. I'm guarding the best player. Like that's what you got. <sighs> so with that so. in mind, you know, one possession, defense, I'll say, all right, you can guard Tim Duncan, Ginobili, or Parker. Who are you taking? Who do you think you could lock up the best? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guard Tony. I like Because I'm bigger. Right. Yeah, I'm bigger. That's the only reason. Because I shouldn't say that because the most points anybody ever gave me was Tony. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I think, you remember uh, how much? Yeah, I can tell you the exact story. Yes, um, please. We're playing, we love stories. We're, I, I normally guard Manu, but coach wanted to switch it up. He was like, we want to put size on Tony. You're going to guard Tony. Mm -hmm. I was like, cool. So Antonio McDice and Tim Duncan was killing me on screens. They were, I was getting cracked every time. But we were winning. So, but Tony, kept, he was making jumpers this night. We were winning. I was like, Coach, I can't keep – I keep keep going under because I kept going under because he was like, don't go over, go under. Mm -hmm. But Tony was making the jumper. He was like, 
we're in the game, we're winning, you just do what I say. I was like, all right, cool. Man, next thing you know, I looked up, Tony had 50. So I'm like, dang, 50? <laughs> and I think it was like an out-of-bounds play. He came off like three screens, he catches it, he looks at me, bank shot, cash, for like the sending in overtime to beat us. But he had 55, long story short, he had 55. The next day, <laughs> the next day I come in the locker room and somebody had a USA Today on my on my seat. And like whatever I look, and when you open it on the back, Tony Parker's like this, five for five foot longs. Like the Subway <laughs> commercial back then, it was like the five oh for five foot longs. He was holding up 55, <laughs> yeah, five for five foot longs. I was like, ooh. Yeah. That's tough. And so they, they won the game? Well, yeah. Yep. I thought you bank shot. Double overtime, game. yeah. Double yeah. overtime. 55 and 10. You had 10 assists. You had 15 that game. So, you know, you know, yeah, it wasn't your 51-point game. But, nah, you know. But he was, whew, It was all on me, too. I was guarding him. Like, I got screened and stuff. But, again, like I said, <laughs> I got the 55. I couldn't do nothing about it. <laughs> How's it different guarding a smaller, like a scoring guard like that? In, in today's game, you have a lot of, you know, smaller scoring guards, like, you know, the, the Currys of the world, even like a Westbrook technically is 6'3 or 6'4, um, versus guarding a wing 6'7, 6'8 guy. Like, one thing just watching the game, it, it's hard. To, it doesn't really translate on TV so well. It's like, why can't a tall 6'9 guy just block Steph Curry's shot? And Part of that is quickness of release, quickness of pull-up, mm-hmm. dribble skills and whatnot. But what's the difference for you between guarding a more swing man versus guarding a ball, you know, a score first point guard? It depends who it is, to be honest. But a mm-hmm. guy like Steph, man, he's so hard to guard because he, he can shoot off anyway. He can shoot. He can go through the leg behind the back, shoot it. He shoots. He's unorthodox. Like, the, the shots he makes are bad shots for everybody else. For 90% of the league, they're bad shots. But for him, it's it's the best, a great shot. Mm-hmm. So, and so guarding little guards, like, it depends who it is. Like, Lou Williams is hard to guard because it's not that he's faster than you, he's so smart. Yeah. And if he gets left, uh, it's a bucket because you really can't get close to him because he gets the foul call every time he goes left. But he makes that shot, so. Mm-hmm. It's just different. He and gave ba- Kevin Durant some problems. Yeah, because these he, playoffs. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Lou knows how to. He's <laughs> very crafty. Um, I'm gonna say guarding bigger guys, like guarding a guy like KD. He's so tough because he's not only seven foot. He's quick, and he he can handle. So it's like, what do you do? You don't want him to go like a little guy like Steph. I'm always trying to make him go to the basket. Because I feel like if he goes to the back, he has to finish over me. Mm-hmm. A guy like KD, I'm just trying to stay in front and hope he misses. Because if he gets to the basket, he's going to dunk it. or It's just it's just too hard. <laughs> Growing up, I always heard stories about Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. When it, when somebody would go off, they would argue about who would guard him, and they would look to pick him up at half court. Or Do you ever have conversations like that in a game? Do you ever remember a moment where you and a teammate or you would actually have conversations with your teammates and your coaches of like, you take him or I want to take him. No, nah, I'm always trying to guard the best player. Ain't no conversation. I don't run for no action. That's one thing. I'm never, the smoke. Never, yes. never ran for no action. That's from my rookie year to now. You can ask the dude now. I'm trying to guard the best players. I ain't really never had that. I'm going to be like, I got him. If he gave me 50, he gave me 50. But mm-hmm. it's going to be the hardest 50 of his life. That's, that's my mindset. And at the NBA level, do coaches take players' input during the game of like, let me take this guy? Yeah, of course. But in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> if he already got 40, now you want to guard him? <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, oh, let me let me take him. Like, <laughs> Some players do that, though. We know, we know uh, speaking of the Lakers and obviously Kobe, who you mentioned, he was a guy who, known as a great defender in his prime and obviously was, but most guys in his position don't always guard the team's best player, too, because of foul trouble, because of, you know, Fatigue, you know, you 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 want to keep that energy up. But Kobe was notorious for picking up those guys in the fourth quarter, right, or six minutes left. And I I always thought that was because national TV game. Kobe wants to do his whole like he always picked up LeBron in the All Star game. Like it was like a really interesting place because they barely played in a regular season. But were you ever around stars who were like that? Where it's like, yeah, we know you're the team's defender, but hey, come fourth quarter. Let me get him. Because that happens on the playground too. Playground too. Um, I think the closest thing to that was probably Paul, Paul George. Like when I when I got to OKC. Because PG's a great defender. Yeah. Man. But so which that was good for me because he's a great defender. So in my mind, it's like if I can wear this guy down, when the fourth comes, PG takes him, like it gives us a better chance to win. Yeah. Because he is a great like he yep. don't get enough credit. Paul George is a great defender. 
So I'm gonna say that's that's a close game for me. So my whole goal was these first three quarters, I gotta try to try to guard him. PGs take over. And is that something Paul tells you pregame or just nah, you kind of just understand? Yeah. You kind of know. It's understandable. Yeah. You know, if you, I'm a, we're, we're older guys, so you kind of understandable. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. So before we move on, I just want to show you a clip I found on YouTube called Corey Brewer Does the Most to Annoy James Harden. I'm sure you remember this. <laughs> so this is in Philly in January. James Harden's on the ground and Corey Brewer is picking him up 90 feet from the basket. My question for you is you play with James. I see in this clip you guys are talking here. What are you guys talking about after? when when it, Is James saying to you, man, you're going to pick me up on the ground? What's going on? No, he said, you're going to guard me the whole game like this? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just, we just playful talking. Mm-hmm. I'm probably asking how your mom doing. Something, you know? <laughs> probably <laughs> smiling while you were doing it, too. <laughs> <laughs> James, James is great. I love his mom. I love James. So I live in Houston still, so that's my guy. So it wasn't everybody thinks, oh, well, you were talking trash. Of course I'm talking trash. It's basketball, but it wasn't like saying nothing crazy sure <laughs> just talking about the game talking about i'm about to lock this up you know you know you ain't scored on me in like how many years you know, <laughs> of course That's something like that sorry Novas. quick real quick speaking of james we all know his sidestep three is like the it's like the move in the nba now it's like the new trend right but if you have to pick just one move that's like the toughest to guard across the entirely across your entire career what would that be? Like one move, Kobe's turnaround. Like, what's that one move that it was like? Oh man, I can't do nothing against this. Uh, yeah, I'm, I might have to go with when Kobe faded away to the baseline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that baseline turnaround was magic. It, it, was, it was going in. It was. It wasn't nothing you could. The thing is, it was nothing you could do about it. Like I think we were. Um, I was in Denver and we played the Lakers in the first round. We took them to Game Seven. Mm-hmm. Like we were doing our thing. We took them to Game Seven. I think I, I was playing well. Against Kobe. Game six, I played with well, like 20. Like, I was at Kobe. I was guarding him well. Game seven, we were at the Staples Center. I think it was in the fourth quarter we were playing well. I think he gave me like eight straight or something, but they were all just boom, boom, baseline fadeaways. And I was there, but I wasn't there because <laughs> Kobe's Kobe. Yeah. So moving on, our second player power ranking for you, Corey. In their primes, on their best day, who are the best players you've ever played alongside? We just got through the guys oh. that are the toughest guys that go against. I want to know who are the best guys that you've played with, whether you were on the sideline, whether you're standing right there next to them. I mean, you played all through college. You've been on nine different teams. You played with so many great players. I want to hear your top five guys you've ever played with. All right, five. I'm going to say Russ. Mm-hmm. Um, four. Let's go, Jay Kidd, man. I just it's hard to leave Jason Kidd off my list, even yeah. though I play with a lot of great players. So I said Russ, Jay Kidd, three. Let's go, uh, Young K Love. I give Young K Love some props. Mm-hmm. Then two, I'm gonna go James, James Harden for sure. And mm-hmm. one, I gotta go Dirk. You gotta go to big fella. Yep. Dirk. <laughs> you 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 played with Dirk during his championship season. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I was I was playing with Dirk when Dirk was unstoppable and during that playoff run nobody can stop him I don't care who you put out there the Heatles the Beatles whoever <laughs> Dirk, Dirk was on we had the trophy and everything and we yep. partied in Miami so yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Dirk being one Dirk for sure I played I, along with personally yeah I firmly believe that no person who's ever lived could have stopped 2011 Dirk no nah, nobody can stop him not that not that playoff run <sighs> Oh my God! We're looking at what Kawhi is trying to do now and be like the one superstar on the team to win a title, I don't think mm-hmm. it's been done since Dirk did it. Yeah. He was the one, like you know, obviously Jake was Jake Kidd on that team. See, that's the thing. They Jake always, Kidd was on that yeah, team, but he wasn't. Thing. He wasn't like All Star Jake Kidd anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're true. But the thing is, on that team, you had guys that. People don't show a lot of respect for it. Jason Terry was amazing, yep. yeah. man. He don't yep. get no love. Jason yep. Terry was amazing. He and went toe to toe with D Wade in that series. Yeah. He was incredible. Yeah. And Sean Marion. Yep. The yes. Matrix was guarding LeBron, D Wade, and all of them. So like he had talent around him. It's just like when they always talk about they call it Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi. Kawhi is amazing. Mm-hmm. But yo, Danny Green is good, Siakam. man. And Siakam is, a, is Lowry. He's playing out his mind. It's very similar. K Lo yeah, gets yeah. No, gets no love. Kyle yeah. Lowry is like one of my favorite players. Like I love Kyle Lowry's game. Yep. I love what he does. He can have seven points. He can have thirty-seven points. But he plays hard as he can from 
first play to last play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I'm gonna say I want I like I like I love Kawhi, but give the other guys a little credit, man. It's, yeah, no, no, no Agreed. disrespect to the other guys. It's just the makeup, right? Like we're so used to seeing super teams. Yeah, it's not, right. I, it's right. They're not a super team. They're, yeah, they're they're a good team though. Yeah, it's a, the clear one superstar, and then like everybody knows their role. Three to four really good players, and like seven to eight really you know guys you know, are you know depth role. and. Right, no question. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. It's, I mean, it rings true with that 2011 team. You had Deshaun Stevenson got inserted in the starting lineup. Father JJ Barrea. JJ Barrea went <laughs> yeah. crazy in that series. Yep. Yeah. Know your role, man. <laughs> Be a star in your role, right? Yes. Yeah, and that's I. Th- I think we're seeing that with this Raptors team. Oh, for it's sure. guys that exact know exactly what they're there for. They have a balanced roster. And so, would you, I think you probably just answered it, but what would you say is the most in awe of another player you've ever been on a court? Was it Dirk in 2011? Oh, man, I can say that for sure, Dirk, and I'm going to say playing with James and Russ, though, some of the mm-hmm. stuff they did, like, you look and you're like, even Paul George, like, some, sometimes you're like, wow, this dude is this good. Like, my seeing Russ just, like, like get mad and just go crazy. And you, you look, he might have two points, you look, he got like 35, 40, like, happened that quick, but it's all like, just ferocious moves, like, to the basket. And James just – he scores so easy. Like, sometimes you look and you'd be like, all right, how many, how many James got? He's, he's playing pretty well right now. Oh, shit, he got 48 already? Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I, how the man get 48? I, I swear, there's no way he scored 48, but it's just – some dudes are just that special. How would you describe Russ as a teammate? Because I know that there's, like, some back and forth on, like, him – in his demeanor and that, like what you just described, you know, uh, like for me, Russ was a great teammate. Like, I feel like if he's if you're not on his team, you probably hate him. But if you're on his team, you're gonna love playing with that guy because he goes 100 percent all the time, and he's he's with you. He's about the team. Like if you're on his team, he's down with you, and that's what you want. Like you don't want to be on a superstar team, and he's like, uh, hey, so <laughs> like you want to do it. Like okay, yo, I'm with you. Like we, we're trying to do this. Like shoot that. Why you didn't shoot that? You wide open. Like that's t- that's the type of superstar you want on your team. That's cool. I've, I heard a story once. Actually, I think I read that Lee Jenkins piece a couple years ago with Russ. They talked about how he has like mandatory team dinners. Yeah, Russ, Russ is a good dude, man. He keeps the team together. That's what, you know, that's, like you said, you want to be friends. Like, hey, I know, I'm sure Golden State, they might not like each other all the time, but I'm pretty sure they're all close because right. they're winning a lot of games. Yeah, I know that's something Kerr really values and that he brings with him from Popovich of like, you got to get along. You got to have the familiar because it's basketball. I mean, it's not like football where the quarterback doesn't talk to the D tackle all season. They yeah, can still win a championship. Nah, it's different. You it's a small group. You guys right? every day. Like, you're going to have to be friends or something. And so what are the teams that you've been on with the best chemistry? I mean, I've heard you talk. And actually, I can't believe we've gone this far into the episode without mentioning you were on Road Tripping last month, yeah. which is our NBA podcast. You did a terrific job on that. There's so many great stories. And I didn't realize how close you were with your Florida teammates until I heard that podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. And so it seems like of all the teams you've been on, that's probably one of the, oh, some of the yeah, best chemistry. Oh, sure. Right? That's the best chemistry I have, for sure. You still like, talk to those guys? Oh, yeah. I was just talking to Torian Green the other day, actually. I was our point guard. But I talked mm-hmm. to Joe Kim and uh, some of my guys. Um, we're all roommates, too. That's People don't understand. We lived together for three <laughs> years. Like that's wild. Not we didn't just play basketball together. We lived together for three years. We basically seen each other every day because we really we'd go home for summer for not long for like a week or two. But we were back at school, so we were always together. So it's crazy that you said on road trip and like, you know, there's this moment where you guys decided or like we're questioning should we even go to the NBA right now like I mean we could do this like again and it's like like you were not looking like you know what I mean like almost hesitant to go to the NBA when most people are like on the opposite side like can't wait to get there (laughs) we had a press conference to announce that we were leaving for the draft (laughs) and we're all crying like like it's one of the like I look back on it like we literally were like like nobody wanted to go to the NBA like (laughs) For what, man? We're never gonna be like this. Is like amazing. Like we knew each other. Like it's the best team I played on. Like I could go right, and Al knew I was going right before I went right. Like we just knew each other. Like the chemistry was unbelievable. It's never gonna be matched, no matter what team I play. I could play on. I played on some great teams, but that team was just it's on another level. That's so interesting. I actually I remember when I was going back and watching some of the tape from those uh, those two championships that you guys won together. Al Horford and Joe Kim Noah could have been the best big man doing the NBA. What? Man, they could have played in the NBA right then mm-hmm. and been two of the best yep. bigs. Yeah, because like, I've always believed Al Horford's out of position as a five. He's really more of like a natural four in like the old nat- school game. He's yeah. a natural four. That's why Joe played the five. But mm-hmm. 
they just played off each other so well. But they were the first bigs who would grab the ball and bring it up. We would just run. Like, Draymond mm. grabs the ball and brings it up. Like, we were doing that in college. Like, Al, if Al or Joe got the rebound, we just ran. We never – it wasn't like, oh, go back and get the ball to point guard. We ran. We were in our action. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made us so good, too. One couple of quick questions for you, Corey. Speaking of, you know, players that, you know, you, you were amazed by when you played against. One, I mean, again, you are no – like, 12-year NBA career, super legit. You know, again, watch your entire career. But you also had a 51-point game. Right. So, again, that's not not everyone can say that 51 and six. Not everyone can say that. But my question to you is, was there any player that you felt like you kind of had their number where it's like, yeah, I'm going up against this player today. I feel like I know, you know, like, was there any guy that you felt like you matched up good with or against? I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say it was more teams. Yeah. Like certain teams. For me, it's just. Also, it depends what the other coach was trying to do. A lot of times when coaches would try to hide the hide the worst defender on me, nights like that, I knew I, I loved that. <laughs> I used to love that. It was nice. I knew I was going to get 20 because, oh, they're going to try to hide this guy. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to get 20. <laughs> and so does your behavior change on the court? Do you have conversations with the point guard and say, hey, this guy's on me. You got to feed me tonight. Uh, no, I just knew I was going to do it. It's just, <laughs> just do it anyway. Yeah, he's not. like <laughs> It'd be like certain guys like – Older guy, they might be older or young guys. Like anytime I see a young guy on me, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a great night because I I do a lot of back cutting. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yep. and that's why I love playing with James or playing with Russ and guys like superstars because young guys are always looking at the ball, so they're just looking at like Russ or James, like, oh my god, let's <laughs> go back door, easy layup, easy 15, 16 right there. Just I wish, always, I wish just the audience layups. could have seen the look that you just yeah. gave when you did that impression yeah. of the starstruck face that guys make yeah. when Russ is there. All of a sudden, back up court. No, layups, easy. Especially <laughs> when, I played, when I played with James, when it was one year when James was just going out crazy, I was getting so many easy buckets. Like, we went to, the year we went to the Western Conference Finals, I was just getting, I was getting 20, like, a lot of nights just because Oh, I'm just gonna stand here, wait, wait. Oh, back, back cut, layup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I just, if James was bringing up, I just run hard and he'd throw me a layup. <laughs> so the funny thing to me about that 51 point game with the six steals is that was against Houston. Yeah, I was at and- James that night. Yeah, James. <laughs> you know, Daryl Morey watched that and saw, man, this guy's banging threes. He's running in transition, finishing at the rim. I, this guy's playing Morey ball. I need to get this guy on my team. <laughs> yeah. And then you end up playing for Houston. And um, yeah, and then we actually had Josh Smith in here a few months ago. We were talking yeah. about that Jay famous, yeah. yeah, the famous game six in LA, right? Twenty was that twenty fifteen? I want to say, yeah, it's yeah, the year we went to the West Conference Finals. Um, yep. the Clippers, yeah, up three, uh, the Clippers up three one, and you guys came back. Yep, yep. they were up had, twenty. You, yeah, they were up twenty. Josh told this great story about him and Dwight fighting in the locker room about who was supposed to be guarding Blake Griffin and DeAndre. He said the second half came out, whole new second half. I looked it up this morning. You had 19 and 10, and you were plus 32. What yeah. do you remember from that game? Plus 32. Man, I was balling. I, I, <laughs> the thing I remember is like we were down 20, and I was like, damn, we down 20. And I wasn't really being aggressive. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to be aggressive. And then Josh is always a great passer, and I think – he got a couple rebounds. I got a couple easy layups, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, okay, yep. I got, we got some here." And we cut the lead to like fifteen. I think, oh man, I started feeling myself. I make the three. I think I went by. I got the N one on Blake. Mm-hmm. I hit another three. I was like, "Oh, we it's on now." So <laughs> you I can remember, feel the energy I, yeah, change. Yeah, I, I remember the whole like crowd. You could look in the crowd, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh yes." And the only th- I remember the one play is I think it might have been to take the lead to tie the game. I was in the corner for a three, and it was a skip pass. And when I made the three, you could just feel the whole crowd like. <sighs> that's what you live for. Room. That's what you live for right there. So that was that was a good night. That's that was crazy. I actually was in Staples for that game. Wow. Uh, I, I remember when it was a twenty point lead, just trying to use my new phone and take photos <laughs> and video. And then I looked at the scoreboard and I'm like, "Whoa, we got a game on our hands!" So I put the phone back in my pocket. Um, my last question on this specifically is: You mentioned a guy like Josh Smith. Um, who never was an all-star, but obviously had a legitimate career as well. Is there any player, as we talk about the high-end guys everyone knows, that was just super underrated that you wish fans knew how good they were? Because you saw them in practice, putting in the I work. I just said, Jason Terry. Mm-hmm. Jason Terry, man. Um, I played with him in Houston and Dallas. So mm-hmm. I seen him at the end when I was in Houston. He was a little older, but when I was in Dallas, oh, my God. But he would go and he literally would do workouts 
like coming off screens because they ran the offense where him and Dirk would like play like pick and roll or a little screen game. And he would like be doing this, running full speed and not shoot the ball. I was like, why, the, why is he going through these motions? Or why is he doing these drills and not shooting the ball? It was just him by himself with another guy. And he's like literally come off like, like it was a game. Like he get the handoff from Dirk and he like, like he was going to shoot it. He's just like getting his mind ready. Wow, he's Jason Terry's process. Game. Yeah, Neville was an all star. Neither Jason Terry, much like Lou Williams now, who obviously you know <laughs> gets buckets, but uh, right. you know was a six man of the year. So should have been an all star. I'm just saying. The West he is tough, man. The West tough, is tough. Man, they need to show Lou some love yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah, Jason Terry. That's actually a good comp because Jason Terry was coming off the bench even in that finals. Yeah, right? yeah mm-hmm. coming off the bench getting. Buckets, <laughs> and he loves it. Super though. confident, he'd be hyped like super confident. That's that's how I learned to come off the bench. Cause before I got to Dallas, like I was like I started most of them. I was in Minnesota and stuff. I was like, what is it like to come off the bench? Mm-hmm. And the best advice he gave me, he was like, oh, he's like, why wouldn't you want to come off the bench? You playing against second string guys? <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, like, in my mind, I was like, yo, you're right. He's like, and if you ain't playing against second string guys, you playing against guys who are retired. Right, it's like, it's like he's like already been playing for eight minutes. I think about that when I watch Clipper games too with Lou Will because he comes out in the hole. You can see the defense go, man. We're just trying to chase these other guys around. No, now Williams is going to come off fresh. Lou Will is definitely an all star, just masquerading as a six man. Like it's no almost cheating. No, for sure. yes. it's, almost, yeah. it's cheating almost. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, if you look at fair. the other guys with his numbers, they're all all stars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I'm Lou Will, I'm high. I'm like, Lou Will's like, oh, yeah, I'll let these superstars do their thing. Oh, second string is up. It's our turn. Uh, I'm going to go out here and get this easy 30. Like, And by the time you bring your other guys in, Lou already got 16, 17. He's hot now. Right. And then, he's, and then he's closing out games, too, which is yes. the most important thing. That's always how you finish, not of how you course. start, right? Of course. He needs to get paid like it, though. Just saying. True. <laughs> True. Saying. Well, no, it can't they, all they be. Gotta st- they got to still. Like, yeah, they Clippers yeah, did the right sure. thing. Yeah, wasn't that crazy? They extended, they extended, three they, years, 21, yeah, and while he was balling out of control, while averaging 20 Balling. They extended him. There's good Clippers, deal. Whoever did yeah. that, Clippers. Good yeah. business. Good job, man. So it can't all be hoops. Yep. You know, we got to break it up a little bit. I'm seeing top five animals. You ain't, you, you're a big animal guy? Yeah, I like animals. Yeah. We have to talk about Billy. <laughs> Top five animals. I got you. Got yeah. Go. <laughs> Top five, let's say five is cats. Okay. Yeah. Four, giraffes. Okay. Got to like giraffes. Yeah, like, I saw a giraffe uh, last weekend in San Diego Three. Zoo. It's fun. Three, let's say First um, time. koala bears. Oh, wow. Koala bears. Wow. Two, dogs. Okay. Definitely. I got a great Dane. Love him. Man, yeah. Chico. One, Chico. goats. Goats won. I had a pet goat for like 17 years. My God. So 17 years. Yeah, his name was Billy. I mean, Billy. <laughs> Billy Wayne Brewer. That was his Wait, name. Wait, what was his name? Billy, Billy Wayne Brewer. Yeah, Billy, Wayne. Billy Wayne Brewer. Brewer. Yeah. Wow, what a Tennessee name. Billy Wayne. 17 Billy years. Oh, yeah, 17 years. Did, did you walk? Billy? No, nah, I just let him out. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't go on the road. Okay, <laughs> he wouldn't go on the road. Like, so paint the picture here. You live in Houston, you said? Yeah, I live in Houston. Now. Do you have like a farm or like a pen uh, for the? Nah, not anymore. Oh, where I grew up in Tennessee. You grew up in Tennessee. He was in right? Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, I grew up. We um, in the back. I, we have a lot of land. Like, right. live in the middle of nowhere. I'm a country boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> you just let him out. He had a pen. He had like his little pen in the back, and then. If you want, my dad would let him out. He'd roam around, then put him back in. <laughs> oh, so this is when you were growing up. Yeah, yeah. I, had him from, I got him when I was in the fifth grade. Mm. And so I used to have to feed him and stuff and all that. So then when I went to college, he was he was still around. So I'd come home in the summer. The man, even when I went to the NBA, I'd come back. I think I got a couple of pictures of my kids with like by the goat. Like <laughs> I'm holding like one of them and Billy's <laughs> right behind me in the picture. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't hear goat without thinking like goat. I'm like every time I like, took a picture with Jordan or <laughs> yeah. Tom Brady. Oh no, goat! Your goat. Yeah, took a picture the with real, your goat. The real goat, That's man. A, <laughs> <laughs> and so, what puts goats over dogs? Because most people, dogs like man's best friend. Oh, I love my dog. It's mm-hmm. just I had my goat for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like so. It's not goats in general. It's your goat. Yeah, my like goat. It makes it makes them number one. <laughs> <laughs> you guys care to do your top five animals? Top five animals. Uh, for me, hoof. <laughs> Um, well, I don't even know. What my, it's tough to do it five through one. So I, I applaud you for being able to do five through one this entire time. <laughs> but I got to go one through five for me. Lions, number one. Big Lion fan. Okay. Um, I mean, I grew up on Lion King. Who uh, didn't? I'm looking forward to the movie coming, coming oh, yeah, out I in, in, in a couple of months. Uh, dogs, obviously, number two. Mm-hmm. Um, number three for me will be... I don't know if I have a number three. I think it's lion dogs. And I know like cats are like 385. 
Not a big cat guy. Off the list. <laughs> not unranked. a big cat guy at all. Yeah, I don't know. Just not. Even though I like wild cats, obviously lions. Yeah. I just don't like domestic cats. It, it, it's just too proud, you know. <laughs> just way too proud, and you know, kind of think they run the show. It's like I like dogs who are going to be super excited that I'm home, like they've never seen me before. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like. I don't like cats. They're way too proud for me. So you have a top two. I have a top, and then a non-invitational tournament a, with the cats. And that's it. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Okay, Lauren, do you have a top animal top five? All right, I'm gonna go dolphins at five. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, dolphins. That's in my top five. I Sorry. love dolphins. Yes. Did you know still in my? I man. know. My like, man. There's a whole animal again. kingdom to choose from, man. <laughs> I was at the zoo a week ago, and I got a chance to hang out with some dolphins. Big dolphin fan. Four, I would say. I really like giraffes, but I think I, I might go peacocks. I think they're beautiful. They're beautiful. I like their feathers, and I'm like always inspired by that, like, you know, fashion wise. Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sure if they're the breed, but the reason for that is because it's all attracting their mates. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea. Oh. It's peacocking. When, you know, when people yeah. say, oh, you're peacocking, just they're doing that to attract mates. Right. See, that's why I wear the color scheme, but it hasn't right. worked yet because yeah. I'm still single. It's, like, it's, not good. it's <laughs> like Gucci for birds. It's the same thing. <laughs> um, three, I would say some kind of primate. I don't know. Maybe monkeys. I haven't gotten a chance to interact with them, but no I would like to like in yeah. Thailand or something. That's on the bucket list. Mm. Um Two elephants. Mm. I think elephants are beautiful. Um, Extremely emotional animals too. Yeah, like, like emotionally me. smart. They, oh, they mourn their dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. So yeah, if an elephant within an elephant probably dies, they actually mourn mourn their dead. It's crazy. Wow. That yeah. is really crazy. See? Um, I'm snapping myself. No stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then one is dogs. I love dogs. Dogs. So, yeah, I'm a medium dog type, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Lauren, dolphins and elephants, I feel like, are two like really solid top five choices. Yeah. And I'm going to have to put dogs one, too. So yeah. I'm already pe- penning dogs in at one. Everybody else is just fighting for second at this point. I know. I have a lot of animals like UTD that I'm just like not a fan of. Yeah. Like I had a hamster as a kid. <laughs> no. Hamsters can Come on. kick rocks. Same with gerbils. <laughs> Any Dang. small rodent, really, I'm just like, don't care for. Yeah. Like, even like squirrels and rabbits, like, you're just really like a rodent that's disguised yeah. as a cute animal. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm Fair sorry. Enough. Not to be a hater, but like, there's just a lot of animals off my list. I'm going to have to go horses, Raccoons. too. Raccoons. Oh, horses. A oh. horse to me is like yes. a dog. Yeah, I like horses. Like, back horses. in the day, that's good. a horse was like a dog and a car at the same time. Yeah, that true. is fantastic. Like, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan here. Mm-hmm. And one thing I get from watching that show is like just how much I want to get back in a, in, in a horseback riding. I did mm-hmm. a little bit as a kid. Oh, you did? I really want to get back into it just because of Game of Thrones. It seems dangerous. I know. I'm older now, and Mm -hmm. it's I feel like there is a lot of risk here that Mm -hmm. I don't need to be taken as Mm -hmm. a 32-year-old. But I'm excited. I want to give it a shot. Palisades (laughs) is a good place to do that. Palace Verdes, Palisades, good place to do that. So as a horse lover, you out on horseback, or uh, not horseback riding, I'm sorry, horse racing? You're talking about trying to get Um, into horse racing? Yeah, yeah. Out on any animal cruelty. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm out on that. All right, so I'm going to go. Although I do eat goats. Wait, hey, go hey, come on, man! You can't sit around. Hurt <laughs> <laughs> Corey's feelings, man. Well, no, I mean, but you, eat all, you gonna eat my pet? That's what, you gonna eat my pet? I see. I see where we going today. We, mean, we was on a good. We was on a good foot. We was cool. Now you gonna eat my goat? Not yours. I'm just, no. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I feel. I understand. You could have kept oh that God. to yourself, but you had to clear the air. Then, yeah. Wait, to. when you say goats, that's more than once. More like- oh, yeah. I mean, that's like, so growing up, I grew up in Nigeria and like I had a lot of, you know, Islamic friends and family friends and they would send over rams and goats mm-hmm. and to just even their family friends who weren't Islam. And it's just this is what you do. So growing up back home, I also had goats and rams in my backyard, except it was for food. So mm. we would have it out there for a week. And then, you know, the, the day of uh, after Ramadan, we would then kill it and turn it, turn it into meat and I would eat it. And it was delicious. And I'm not going to apologize for it because it was back in the day. And eventually, I'm not going to be a meat eater, but I, you know, not Billy, though. Are you going to be a vegetarian? <laughs> eventually, that's the goal. I uh, think I think I want to get to at least pescatarian. I think, you know, get out, get rid of all, get rid of all, you know, uh, meat, red meat, and just do fish is the goal. Well, just because you offended Corey, I'm putting all animals that I eat in my top five. So we go pigs, t- three. Uh, what else? We go fish, four. Just because they're delicious. Yeah. And uh, what else tastes good? Oh, man. Cows. 
Yep. Yeah, that's my good. top five. Yeah. Two pets, three, three <laughs> snacks. Three snacks. Sure. <laughs> Corey, thank you so much for joining us, man. Before we get you out of here, I just have yeah, to commend you. Yeah, no, you didn't you. sign up for this, did you? Yeah. Like, what, what are we doing? What? Like, this poor guy. It's all good. Corey's man. rep, Ashley's in a room right now, and she's probably like, what What are we doing? <laughs> is this being released? I don't know. What? This is being more than an athlete, Corey. Like, people are going to listen to this and not know you in this light. And oh, again, sure. you're welcome anytime you're in Studio 6. Appreciate it. Yeah, so before we let you go, I just have to say, in terms of more than an athlete, obviously you are an incredible basketball player, your 12-year career in the NBA, uh, matched only by your two-time championship career in college. Just want to commend you on just a great career as somebody who's been a fan of yours for a long time. But in addition to that, you know, we're at uninterrupted. Every wall in here says more than an athlete. So for the past 10 years, you've hosted a camp in, in Gainesville, Florida, where you went to school. Uh, for the University of Florida Diabetes Institute. Uh, you've also worked with the ADA in Los Angeles when you were with the Lakers, JDRF. Um, talk about, you know, your contributions in that way and, and what that means to you. Um, it means a lot. You know, I think um been able to do it for 10 years back at the University of Florida in Gainesville. But it just means a lot. All the proceeds go to the Diabetes Institute. But my dad and mom both had diabetes um, type 2. Well, my, my dad had diabetes. My mom still has it. My dad passed away from complications. And the reason I do stuff for it because my dad had to get his leg amputated um, end of my freshman year. So it was like a crazy situation for me. So being in school and him going through that and not being able to be there, it was hard. And then we go to the national championship game and like talking to him like before a game or just during the whole year, it was just tough for me. And then he has to get the other one cut off, which made it even tougher. Like like a year after we went the second one, it was just like tough time for me, for him not being able to be at all the places like I want him. So I just try to bring awareness to it until everybody get checked because you never know. You don't know if you have it. Like I try to tell people to eat right and hopefully another little kid doesn't have to go through that. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's interesting. We had Sugar Ray Leonard in here a few weeks ago. He's also very active in diabetes awareness and prevention. And I know a few other athletes have taken this up as their cause. And I'm just curious, from your point of view, you just mentioned a few of the things um, that you try to prioritize in terms of uh, messaging. And so for anyone out there listening, um, what message would you send to them in terms of what you're hoping to convey and, and what message you'd hope to send? Um but eating healthy, but going to get checked because anybody can have it. Like the most, you can look like you're in the best shape of your life, but you, you never know. So mm -hmm. go get checked. I feel like everybody should get checked. And so if people want to learn more, where can they go? I'm CoreyBrewer.com. Like I have a bunch of information on there about all my camps and all the stuff I do. And I'm on Twitter at the Corey Brewer. Mm -hmm. so. Q&A's on regularly. Yeah, I love yeah. the Q&A's. Q&A's. sending your questions. <laughs> Corey, before we let you out of here, remind everybody out there. Who runs this station? Man, you already know. We run this station. Yeah.